0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Sick of being upsold at gyms. After six weeks and thousands of votes cast, we are finally down to the end of our Arts Madness tournament. We started with 64 artists and we are down to one ultimate champion as chosen by you, the listeners. Before I get to announcing which artist ultimately came out on top, I do want to take a moment to read a few of the things that people said about why they chose this artist. In our final round of voting, Brooke from Massachusetts said, It's a lot, but it's a good a lot. And it has lots of color and overall it's just exciting. Benjamin, also from Massachusetts, said, I think they deserve to win because they incorporate reflections in their art, which makes the work look super cool. Also, it's a physical art, which I really like, especially bigger scales such as this one. The reflections look like you're in a different world when you look around. Mrs. Gabot's homeroom in Texas said, We enjoyed how this artist used light in her work. She created a dynamic art piece that people can enter and enjoy. Her art is colorful, 3D, and tactile. There's a great smooth texture. Jasmine from Coachella Valley, California said, All the colors that are used makes the artwork look great. I think they deserve to win because I love the amount of color and dots, and it looks like such a fun place to be at. All of those were explanations of why people cast their final vote in that final round between Yayoi Kusama and Katsushika Hokusai. And ultimately, with 51.5% of the vote, the winner of our Arts Madness tournament for the second year in a row is Yayui Kusama. And while this is technically the season three finale of Who Arted, I've had such a great time running this podcast, I am going to keep popping up in your feed in the weeks to come. I'll be playing some encore presentations of full episodes for the next couple of weeks while I am recording some new material. And just as I did on my last hiatus, I will keep going with some new Fun Fact Friday mini episodes to tide you over. And now, without further delay, here is the encore presentation of my episode on Yayui Kusama. I feel like who art ed? We'll to it. Who tried art we'll it. It. Mr. Wood <laughs> art ed me. Yeah. Either way, it, it's It, it works so I I know. I thought too big. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and with me today is Emily Fiedler, the art teacher at Elmwood Elementary. Thanks for joining me.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy to be here.
1: (laughs) So today we are talking about Yayoi Kusama, the contemporary Japanese artist. Um, And we're going to start off with just a little bit of background. I know you've seen her work. Do you know much about her background?
0: Um, yes, the, the exhibit was organized kind of like historically so that you started at her earliest work and then saw more current as you went through.
1: Um, she was born in Matsumoto, Japan. Um, And she moved to New York in 1957, and she studied art in Japan, but it was very traditional from what I understand. And she really sort of hit her stride when she came to New York, and it was a little bit more freeing.
0: Yes, um, and she was actually inspired by Georgia O'Keeffe to come over to America. She saw her work and wrote to her, and Georgia O'Keeffe actually followed up. They were kind of pun pals.
1: Yeah, Georgia O'Keeffe was Georgia O'Keeffe was awesome. Georgia O'Keeffe, if you do, if you need another reason to love O'Keeffe, I know uh, she like she not only like was encouraging in the correspondence. From what I understand, she gave her business advice, and even when uh, Kusama like was on hard times financially because of like hospitalizations and stuff like that, O'Keeffe had her art dealer buy a number of pieces from Kusama.
0: Oh, I had no idea about that. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, just another awesome thing about O'Keefe. So Kusama came over, and it seems like from everything I've read, it seems like she was making contacts and, like, a savvy business person and getting herself into the art world, like, right away. Um, You know, she was... Not only was she corresponding with O'Keefe, but I think uh, was it Donald Judd maybe yeah. uh, was an early supporter of her work and things like that. And she like her work was largely um, associated with a little bit of pop, but also minimal, minimalism. And there's like a psychedelic element to it as well. Um, it's kind of an interesting fusion of things that were, were happening in like the mid to late uh, 20th century. So it really sort of like hit at just the right time when sort of the hippie movement was happening the counterculture feminism. And, and her work has a lot of that sort of critique and, and she aligned herself with a lot of those social movements.
0: Yeah, uh, politically involved. And um, additionally with the pop artist movement, she was friends Friends and foes with Warhol too, um, and they kind of work together at a point. But then he ripped off one of her like repeating wallpapers, the cows.
1: Of course he did.
0: Yeah, so of course he they did. They are no longer friends at that point, which is sad.
1: But I don't know. I mean. If you're friends with if you're friends with O'Keefe and you get Warhol out of your life, it seems like he's coming (laughs) out ahead on that one.
0: Yeah, I guess I would choose (laughs) O'Keefe over Warhol any day.
1: Oh, certainly. Certainly. Um, Now one of her most famous things is what she refers to as her infinity nets, the, the dots that are the re- recurring motif. And from what I understand that even go, like goes back to her childhood. She grew up, her family had a nursery, like a nursery growing like plants and things like that. And, the way I understood it was she was the repetition of dots sort of started with visualizing like cells and things like that, um, plant cells. And we just see it everywhere. And it is her way of sort of making sense of infinity as well as handling her mental health um, struggles and things like that, um, because she did not have the best childhood. I, I I hate to dwell on the problems, but I think it is worth mentioning that, like, you know, she did have a, a very difficult Uh, Childhood growing up, her mother was very, very strict and, you know, not only strict in expecting her to be more traditional in terms of the culture, but um, it was an abusive situation that, that she thankfully got out of. You know, I, I always like to, to think about this not because of the horrible things that happened in her life, um and, and see her just as a victim, but like she's she's resilient, she is strong, she broke away from that, she got away from from a, a horrible and difficult situation, and she found multiple ways of overcoming that and and transcending it. Um, not just with her the therapeutic aspects of her art, but you know she also sought medical treatment when necessary. Um, to, to move beyond those things that, that were so difficult early in her life. And she still is, um, she still struggles with and is moving past the long-term effects that that has.
0: She constantly wanted to escape. though throughout that childhood and, um, she grew up on the nursery, like you said, and she wanted to know what was beyond the mountains and within the mountains. Um, so her goal of, getting out was always
1: within her mind um that sounded terrible it was not a complete thought no Um, it's 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 totally true though like getting getting out was on her mind as rightfully it should have been and in some ways art was an escape it was also her means of getting out Mm -hmm. like not not just sort of um, dissociating and, and escaping mentally, but like physically getting out, she moved from Japan to New York. One of the things I want to pick up on though, there that I, I heard you say that I thought was really, really interesting and goes to the heart of this was you talked about her wanting to see what's beyond the mountains and in the mountains. And I feel like there's this inside and outside, um. Characteristic to her work, where she's exploring a little bit of like cells and underlying structures that make things up, but also the infinite and what is far beyond, with her her reflections and and the infinity rooms and things like that.
0: Yeah. So within her exhibition, there were a couple video clips that she created, and it was everything is a dot and just that thought for me um, thinking about it artistically and just generally is overwhelming um, to the point that I, it makes me rethink the world. And I think that's what makes her such an amazing artist is because of how literally she has rethought uh, thought the world to the point of a spell. Um And then the vast universe of dots beyond us. So, and that goes back to her studying the plants and within the nursery and from cells to seeds to small, um, small plants and then their full grown potential.
1: I, I, I see that and I, yeah. I get what you're saying. I it's it's funny to me, though, like that's that's exactly why I cannot stand like 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 for me and and this is I guess revealing of me personally like one of my earliest like memories of childhood was like nightmares of like just infinite and like trying to wrap my head around it like you talked about how it's like just that mind-blowing aspect of it and it's like and to me it feels just overwhelming and like Horrifying. It is like the stuff of my nightmares to be like just seeing looking out into the abyss, you know, and seeing that infinite reflection of dots and stuff like that.
0: I um, totally understand. I guess I the way that she has conveyed it within the infinity rooms and using light um, makes it a lot more comforting to me when, yeah. when I see it and almost like a more elegant version of Infinity, in a way.
1: Yeah, I, I could see I could see what you mean there.
2: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations, and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.
0: Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now, wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Um. And I guess at this point, it might be sort of a natural time for us to shift over towards like talking about one specific piece and looking at, you know, the infinity rooms, I feel like are just such a popular thing right now, Um, not just because they look great on Instagram, but because it is this overwhelming, immersive experience that you and I obviously have different reactions to. But um, specifically, I'm looking at... Love is Calling from 2013, which is one of her infinity rooms. And, you know, to, to describe what an infinity room is, I think we have to start with just like literally what's in there. It is a mirrored room so that on every wall you're seeing reflections and, you know, reflection of a reflection of a reflection. So it just it it appears to go on forever. And inside of that room, she has her artwork. In this case, it is like neon soft sculptures illuminated with with her characteristic um, infinity nets known to the rest of us as polka dots. Um, (laughs) And I guess I'll let you go first. What do you want to say? What are you seeing in the piece?
0: I guess when I'm comparing this to her other infinity rooms that are less colorful, uh-huh. um, I'm seeing an extreme fantasy here. Um, this is the stuff of my childhood dreams and nightmares where it is very almost Alice in Wonderland like, and has a lot more whimsy to it because of these colors associated with it. Um, and the soft shapes, they almost look like, It reminds me of octopus tentacles, like, at first glance. And I think if a kindergartner was looking at this, they would also think the same thing. They wouldn't go to the deep meaning of infinity and um, what these soft sculptures could mean in terms of, like, her childhood and her life and the stories she's attempting to tell through this.
1: Yeah, the, the tentacles, I, I definitely get that sense because the, the it does feel like tentacles because they're, they're sort of cylindrical but they're organic and twisting forms, right? And so they're coming up from the floor and down from the ceiling and it does have that feel of like an octopus grabbing hold of the room or, you know, alien creatures or something like that. The polka dots are all over the place and she uses light brilliantly. I believe um, it's actually... They're they're illuminated with color changing like LEDs, so it it's not consistently a green or a or a magenta tentacle. It it changes over time, and um, the love and love is calling one. She's she's really engaging all of the senses because also there is an audio loop that is playing with um, her reading a poem, um, a poem that she wrote. And it, it's all just sort of going on that that loop, expressing you know her message of love and through her art, and trying to create something that will just envelop the the viewer. Like I, I I think this is one of the stronger uses of installation art that I've seen. Where like as much as I personally would not enjoy time in this space, like it's not. It's not my thing. I think very it is short well. short
0: time, <laughs>
1: <laughs> very short time because they're very popular. Yeah. Um, but, but because it is something that like other people do, do respond to because it is so well crafted in that idea of um, like just isolating you in, in this space and creating like, you know, a, a space that does, like I say, it, Takes over all your senses. You're seeing things. You're 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 aware of your space, and it's surrounding you. It's that immerse an immersive experience that you can't get from a painting or a video.
0: And I also think like the bright colors and subject matter in this um, room is really um, able to relate to a lot of different people that necessarily aren't maybe the most art literate um to those that are more so so if everyone that everyone that immerses themselves within this room can take a different message
1: oh absolutely absolutely like as as a child of the 90s i just look at this and think like that is rad
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's so open to interpretation
1: Yeah. And I I think that is, you know, sort of her work at its finest, where it creates these different levels for you to enjoy just the aesthetics, just the look of it, as well as like that, that deeper sort of meditative level where it starts to get you thinking about your place in the cosmos and, and meaning and structures that connect to everything. And, um, and and now I just want to curl up and, (laughs) and Uh, but yeah, I mean, that is, that is what she's going for in these infinity rooms, is she is trying—and that's, that's what a good installation does. It immerses you in the art world. It, it puts you into another space. It transforms the world that you're stepping into. And I'm wrapping it up. I want a Just a three-point rating scale. And four. Where should this hang? The loo? Is this something to look at? The lab? The lab. Is this something to learn from?
2: Or the Louvre,
1: British for that. There's a joke in, yeah. the a lube joke lube. in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Where do you think this piece belongs?
0: Um, I definitely don't think it's a waste. Um, I would put it in the lab. I would give it a two because um, I think of the Louvre as very much like high art um, and very classical. And while I think that in his in history and in time this will make a place there. I think right now artists and um makers need to currently learn from this and um begin to have their own spin offs and interpretations of this new immersive way of creating installation.
1: That that's fair enough. I mean I think it is a strong installation. I think there is stuff to learn from, but I would actually put it in the Louvre. I would put it in the Louvre because as much as I personally do not enjoy this experience and I don't want to think about the meaning behind it because it makes my brain hurt. um, I will say as a sensory experience, it is something that a lot of people would enjoy. It is very aesthetically pleasing and I hear you saying like you think you know the Louvre you think of high art and and all of that sort of stuff I I personally see the Louvre as I see any other visual arts museum as a place to put stuff for us to look at and enjoy and I think the art world needs stuff that is fun to look at and enjoy and and something is not a higher art form because it is older and because it is, you know, classical, I think her work, it is visually pleasing. It is, it is strong. It is, it is something that people enjoy. And, you know, it, the colors on this are rad. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah. It is
1: fun to look at. It's not fun for me to think about, but it is fun to look at. And, and that's what I feel like the museums are for um, is for, stuff that is fun to look at and the Louvre could stand to be a little bit less pretentious and a little less high art and a little bit more more enjoyable with things like infinity nets.
0: Very true. Can I change my answer to a two and a half? <laughs> 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 like in between like a museum, the, the mat, the Museum of Modern Art, or not the
1: I, I don't even, but I the don't the think of it as a hierarchy. Like I don't think ah. it's one is higher than the other. Like I don't think, I don't, really? I don't see, No, I think it's a different purpose. And that's what I'm going at. It's not so much like the rating of like, you know, something in the Louvre is better than something that's for the lab. Like I think some art is to see and appreciate and some art is to think about and learn from. And I don't think one purpose is better than another. Like, I don't think something that just is enjoyable to look at is, is shallow. I think it's just enjoyable and that can be a, perfectly fine end of itself so that's all I got Uh, yeah (laughs) that's all I got (laughs) Um, so thank you so much for joining me I really appreciate your taking the time
0: yeah it was so i just talking about art with another adult is very fun way to spend my time so thank you for having me
1: (laughs) thank you it's it's nice to have someone else I can nerd out with